Hey everybody, it's Daphne sitting down with Anthony Snow. How are you doing, Anthony? Hey, I'm doing great, Daphne. Thank you very much for inviting me to be here. It's an honor to be with you. Dig in the background, man. Oh, hey, <laughs> this is this is the dream, right? We're living the dream. Right. So what do you uh, tell everybody for everybody out there who don't know you? Because, you know, you got those people out there that don't and oh. then the people that do. There's what? a million actors out there, so I don't expect everybody to know who I am. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what you've done. Uh, well, my claim to fame is I did a remake of Bonnie and Clyde where I got the lead role of playing Clyde Barrow. So that's where most people know me from. That was back in 1995 um, when I was young and wore, you know, skinnier clothes. <laughs> Wasn't skinny but jeans, was it? I hate those damn things. <laughs> well, that was the time, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we just go with the flow, whatever's in, right? <laughs> so that's that's how I got started in film. I started in commercials, actually. And before that, before anything theatrical, I did theater. So I was a musical theater guy, sing, dance, perform. Um, and then from there, I got into commercials. And then from commercials, I jumped into film and television. And the big film was the remake of Bonnie and Clyde called The Barrel Gang. So yeah. that's how that's how I got my SAG card and got into the union and been pursuing this professionally ever since. Wow. So how did theater go down for you, man? <laughs> hey, you know, it's the purest form of the art. So it was like theater was great. You know, it's like I didn't know I was I, I could do it. You know, I just took a drama class for fun, you know, in college. And I went, hey, I can really do this because I was the really quiet, shy guy, like socially, you know, mm -hmm. but it's funny because when I read parts, then I wasn't me anymore. I was somebody else. So then, man, I was putting myself out there and I could do this and I could do that. And, and the teacher said, you should be doing theater. So I started doing theater and uh, went to school, went, tried to learn it professionally, you know, learn the craft and uh, start doing theater. So that's what I did. Yeah, so I started regular. I started in regular community theater. I mean, I started at the ground level. I started at the very ground level and worked my way up to regional theater and stuff like that, and and then started doing commercials, like I said, and then got into film and television. Yeah, when you look at your headshots, mm -hmm. you just some of them, some of what you sent me at, I think I have them all up on the website, but some of them you you don't strike me as the theater type. Right. Guy. You know right. what I mean? When you look at somebody and you're like, what? No way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it, it's a little bit different. You know, you, you play the romantic leads when you're young and good looking and, you know, and then you kind of age out of that. It's a bad thing, but it happens, you know, mother nature. Right. So, um, but anyway, uh, I was, I was lucky that I got into commercials. I was in the San Francisco market and they used to do a lot of commercials back in the nineties. So, uh, that's how I really broke into doing other things other than theater. And I slowly got out of theater and said, Hey, this money thing is really good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, but for the art is the art and theater is still the purest form of the art. And I'm glad I started in theater. Cause that's really where you learn the basics. That's really where you learn to build a character so it is very helpful. And I'm surprised at how many actors I meet that said, oh, I never did theater. It's like, well, how do you create a character when you were learning your lines? And they go, well, I just say my lines. And I'm like, 
good luck with that. <laughs> right. Right. Like, that's one thing that I learned while training is uh, backstories are very important. Even if you got to create your own backstory to make it better for you to pull off the character. And that's one thing I advise also because I noticed learning a lot more that way when I was doing it. Oh, absolutely. You got to bring something to the lines. They know what the lines are. They wrote it. Mm -hmm. So if you just say the words and you bring nothing to it, it's it's stale. It's it's dead. You have to have some kind of character behind it, some kind of reason for saying those lines, whatever it is, make up your own backstory. Like you said, that's, that's what I do at every audition. I make up my own backstory and I come in there and do it and, you know, and, and leave it where it lays. But at least I give them something. Yeah. I mean, training, training is very important. And like I said, that's why I make these videos. But a lot of people, they don't get it. They're like, oh, you're just bringing in people. Some people, you know, some people you don't. And yeah. no, that's not why. That's not why I started this segment. That's not why I started the, you know, the interviews with soldiers. You know what I mean? It's not all right. industry people that I want to do that segment. It's soldiers. I don't care what branch you were in. Come and do it and tell your story. But I do these to educate people and especially aspiring, you know, directors or actors or, you know, musicians, because I have that also. And I've got the writer's block, which is another one that I do. And that's for writers. And this is to help people move forward, because a lot of people think, gee, I'll just get famous on YouTube or TikTok. And that is <laughs> not the way shit happens. It, it, what good okay you can have a million followers on tiktok but if you get on a real film set and you have no clue no training no nothing oh, good nothing. luck to you absolutely yeah. daphne you hit the nail on the head with that mm -hmm. and i just want to say I'm, I'm a big fan of your military stuff because it's close to my heart because my father was in the military he was a united states marine so i appreciate everything you do i try to help out with gary sinise's organization i try to help out with folds of honor i try to help out with all these organizations as well yeah. whether it's donating my time showing up for a golf event playing as a celebrity and just you know helping raise money for people so i really appreciate your military aspect too yeah i started that segment because i have three military children okay mm -hmm. two army one marine awesome uh, and i'll tell you a little bit more about that um the marine is well, I consider him my stepson, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he went in, um, my daughter didn't care for it. She, I mean, she, she loved the army, but she just didn't care for her position because um, they didn't put her where she wanted to be. Oh, and then my son, he's trigger happy. So he's still in <laughs> And <laughs> my stepson. His dream was to be a sniper. And I watched this kid play video games, video games, video games his whole life growing up and just be able to walk into these games and psh, 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 right in the head. Boom, boom, boom. Right, done. Right. And then all of a sudden he makes it through ROTC. Then he goes into the Marines and he's in the Marines and he's working to be a sniper. And then he finally gets it and then he goes out into the field and he collapses. Now they took him into the hospital and mm -hmm. when they had him in there, but they was like, well, you have heart issues. You know, we, we can't tell much more um, right now. And they completely missed. Well, once they got him out and they made him leave after he finally made sniper finally became what he wanted to do. And they pushed him out basically because they can't take that risk. Right. And he goes to the VA and finds out he's got an inoperable tumor in his heart. 
Oh, no. And he actually just had a couple of the tumors removed. Um, he'd had, they were spreading and they removed those, but they cannot do anything about the one that is in his heart. Wow. So even with modern technology, huh? Anybody at the Mayo Clinic, any specialized hospital where they have the best care in the world, they can't help your son? Nope. They cannot. Oh, I'm and sorry to hear that. It's just like soldiers, like I've had a bunch of art, you know, different soldiers, different departments in my family. Um, some I was aware of, some I had no clue that they ever even served. And it's just like I, I love the soldiers, and I don't think the soldiers get the respect that they should. One from our government. Two from people, people in general, people who are here doing what they want to do because these soldiers are out there fighting these fucking wars, seriously, you know, for everybody to do it. But do they appreciate it? No, they do not. It's bullshit. So that's why I started that segment so I can bring people and let them tell their story. If they're in the industry, awesome. If they're not, I don't care what industry you work in. I don't care if you deliver pizzas. If you serve this country, you deserve at least a shot to tell your story. Absolutely. Absolutely, Daphne. That's that's amazing that you do that. And I'm just like you. I believe the same thing. I think people nowadays, it's been a while since we had a war, like World War II, so I think our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation, they understand that the price of freedom isn't free. Somebody yeah. went over there to fight for your right to say whatever crap you want to say about our government, our leadership, or whatever, and they don't appreciate that. And, and the kids nowadays, they just go around like, yeah, you know, I have my right to do whatever I want. Well, why do you have that right? Somebody gave you that right. Somebody fought for that right. So if it wasn't for our guys going over there overseas and fighting, you'd probably be eating apple strudel and saying Heil Hitler. So you might want to show a little respect and stand for the national anthem Mm -hmm. and salute the flag. And, you know, it was like that back in the day. You know, when we grew up, we started the class every day with the Pledge of Allegiance, you know. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they've taken all that away. First, they took God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Couldn't say God anymore. Then they took the Pledge of Allegiance away. And it's like. Not out of all schools. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the public <laughs> schools they did. My daughter <laughs> attends one where I thought cursive writing was over because my 23-year-old does not know how to write in cursive. And I've offered a teacher. And yeah. she just, no. And my youngest daughter, the school Pledge of Allegiance, cursive writing. I'm just like, what is wrong with with the people I get, you know, some people wanting to work past history. I get that. But how did we get to this point without that? Right. You see what Absolutely. I'm saying? I it, it, it's everybody needs to learn that before. Oh, let's just forget about this. Forget about that. Yeah. Okay. How the hell did you get here? Yeah, that's the big thing now. They're trying to erase history. And it's like you can't do that because yeah. that tells you where we came from. Mm-hmm. That tells you what we fought for and the the disrespect for our veterans, the people on the street when everybody else is coming in and getting all these freebies and nobody's taking care of the people who really need the services, our veterans, that really upsets me a lot. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on all that. Yeah. And there's one thing, I don't know if you've heard of this program or not, but I had Jeff Carranza on um, for interviews with the soldiers. He was my last one, I believe. No, Sheila was. 
and, but he was the one before. And he said that he started this program, which is awesome for soldiers when they get out. What they do is there's this program called Onset Soldiers. Okay. And what that is, is that allows people, granted, not every army person, military person, whatever, it doesn't matter, oh. you know, is going to be in the movies or stars of the movies. But what they do is they evaluate them um, to see what their strong suit is, to get them jobs on these huge film sets, rather it's lighting, um, anything, grips, anything, you know. Yeah. And, I know a few of them. I've been on a few sets where they work as technical uh, consultants because they we do military stuff and they're right there saying, no, that's wrong. This is how you do it. This is how it's supposed to look. And and so there's a lot of employment, that, especially with the military shows like SEAL Team. Yeah. All those guys are veteran guys that work on that show and they tell the actors exactly what to do and how to do it. And that's why it's such a great show. Yeah. I love it. I believe that, you know, the military in a lot of the, you know, retired or even still active duty that are taking these jobs, they end up being better actors than a lot of real <laughs> I hate to say it because it sounds like I'm knocking everybody, but no, I'm not. And it's because of their discipline. Absolutely. They have yeah. their own built-in character. They come to the set. That's a real dude. You know what I mean? It's right. like, you're not messing with that guy. He is that character. So <laughs> it, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. They're amazing. Yeah. They're and I really love that program. And I was talking, when I was talking to Jeff, um, I told him, I was like, you know, that should be expanded. And I told him, I I'm going to spread the word whether he wants me to or not, yeah. because there are so many people whose lives that can save just to have something to look forward to when they get out. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because a lot of times they have problems adjusting back to being a civilian. And this gives them something to do. It gives them a purpose. They're used to getting up at 5 a.m. for revenue. They, they, that's, they know they're, they're very structured, you know. And then when they come out, it's like, well, your life is your own now. Thank you. And they're sometimes they kind of struggle with that. And this gives them a purpose. And I think that's a great idea. And I'm glad you're helping that person with that idea. Yeah. My son, when he comes to visit, he kills me because I'm not a morning person. I'm a more, I'm going to wake up at 10 a.m. and work until 4 a.m. type person. And that's uh -huh. what I do every day. But when he comes to visit, he kills me because he he freaking gets up so early. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to get up. I was like, I'm going to tell you what, if you wake me up doing whatever it is you are doing in the mornings, I am going to put this foot in that ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can't help it. I always get up early. I'm just like, yep. yes, you can't. <laughs> they, that's exactly right. That's just their training and they're used to doing it. Their body wakes up. It's their body clock. And you and I both know in this business, we're usually getting up around noon and staying up till 6 a.m. because we're working all night. So that's just our business. But yeah, it's it's it, it's that's how they do it. Yep, absolutely. Unless it's an early, uh, early. Unless set. there's an early call time. Oh, my God. I hate those. Yeah, I I just did a movie or I was just in a movie. I can't say anything about it, though, um, yeah. where the call time was six. I was like, and I couldn't even go to bed because I'm up working until three. So I try to make myself go to sleep at 3 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Right back up. And I got up. I did. 
And I went. That's the hardest thing to do, though. I can't. I try to do that. And I lay there awake going, I got to go to sleep. I got to go to sleep. I got. And then you can't go to sleep. Right. <laughs> right. Or you're afraid if you do fall asleep by that time, you know what I you're mean? Gonna you're going to oversleep. to get up. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's horrible. I hate that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of times television starts real early. I had to be in makeup and wardrobe at 5 a.m. on a show. So it was like, oh, no. <laughs> right. And that didn't include my travel time to the studio. So it's oh like you're God. getting up early. Yeah. So are you in California? Are you in where are you I at? am in California. I'm based in Los Angeles and I'm currently on location near in the Sacramento area for a film I'm working on. There you go. Yeah. So I had a travel day yesterday so I could do the interview today. Works out well. I know a lot of people don't realize, you know, when I when I go to set these interviews up, I rearrange a lot to make sure, you know, that I have the day. And what I do, because by the time I get up, get motivated, especially on the weekends, then I've got to get ready, you know, to, I'm not going to come on here looking all crazy, you know? <laughs> no. I don't think people understand the preparation for stuff and they don't value it. And that's the problem with working with hobbyists versus professionals. And I don't have problems with hobbyists. I mean, I understand people have day jobs and they want to play weekend warriors, so to speak on the weekends and they want to do their acting, you know, when they can. And that's great. Nothing against, nothing against them, but they have to understand that when you do something like this, you're counting on not just yourself, but the other person has done a lot of work to get this thing done. And I'm always feel stressed out because I don't want to let the other person down. So like in this case, I want to make sure I do not let <laughs> Daphne down. So it's just how it works. But it's funny how people don't think that. They just think it's all about them. Mm -hmm. And that's not the way it works. So yeah. they need to understand that. I've had this conversation actually with some of the people that I rep. Um, I try to explain to them, you know, I get that you have to have a nine to five when you first start. And I understand that. But here's the thing about this industry that a lot of people need to start realizing, you know, if they plan on moving forward. Okay. When I first got into this industry, I literally shut a whole business that I ran for 13 years down, shut it down gradually, but I shut it down yeah. just because this is an all or nothing business. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. Granted, I get shit's expensive you know when you're starting out your classes your headshots your backdrops your lighting and stuff that you're going to need to move forward if you plan on moving forward but this is all or nothing you either got to make the leap or you don't you know it, it can't be both ways and you if you're going to start out and it's a hobby that's fine in the beginning but if you're wanting to move forward it's one or the other it is yeah you you can't just dip your toe in the pool and think you're going to swim. That's right. how I look at it. It's like at some point you got to decide. And we all go through that point. We all go through that point where we have our job and the money's great. And all of a sudden things start happening. And then we make, we got to make that decision. Are we going to go or are we not going to go? Are we going to take that leap of faith or are we not going to, we're going to take the safety of the job and the security. Right. And I had to do the same thing. Um, so I understand exactly what you're saying. And it's true. You, you, it's an all or nothing business. So 
you know, I, I quit my job. I did my thing. I went to LA and I said, this is what I'm going to do. No matter how broke I am, no matter, you know, what I have to do, but that's commitment. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. People just think, oh, he always gets this or he always gets that. It's like they don't see the commitment you've made and what you've gone through in order to get what you've got. You know, it takes commitment and it, it takes sacrifice. And you will clearly understand that. And I think everybody who's, for lack of a better word, real in this business understands that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Driving. Uh, let me see. 10, 12 hours to get to an extras job when you're spending out more money than you're actually going to make anyway, but you just want to be on the team. So you drive there anyway. Hey. <laughs> you know, or sleeping in your car, or, you know, shit like that. Or broke. Yep. Everybody's like, everybody in this industry is rich. No, sorry, we're not. And especially when you run a business and you're throwing your money back into the business to take it further. No, you're not. You know, it, it, it's not that easy. You have to, you have to choose. And I mean, I've done that. I have driven God. For Tyler Perry show from here to Atlanta, I got the call time at 11 o'clock that night after getting up early that morning and I was about to go to sleep. Instead, what am I doing? Oh, you got to be here by seven or eight in the morning. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in Ohio. They're in Atlanta. I got to get packing to get my damn car and drive. (laughs) And I forget, I did, which I did. You did. I got down there. Films, they filmed God, I think it was like from 7 30, 8 o'clock in the morning until 7 30, 8 o'clock that night. Right. Yeah. No sleep. No shit, man. Turned yep. around, drove all the way back from Atlanta to Ohio. Didn't wow. get back here till 4 a.m. Finally got to go to sleep. 48 freaking hours later, man. Yeah. It's hard. People don't get that. People like, don't get it. They just yeah. they just don't get it. No. Nope. You know? They just think it's all easy. Oh, it's all fun. All they see is the glamour and the glitz and the red carpets and all the stuff, the photo shoots you do and the PR stuff you do. And and it's like, yeah, that's just part of it. That's that's not the work work. That's not know? even part of it. That's the rap part of it. Part of it. it exactly. Part of it. It's like, exactly right. <laughs> because you that's when all the work is done. <laughs> to get there. And that's just right? one damn night. After- right? A month doing what you need to do you know oh my god yeah. yes i know yeah. yeah they don't get it i mean they don't get it i try I to be honest about it you know but maybe it'll sink in somebody's head or the um they have the egos oh i did this one little short indie film so now i'm a superstar really <laughs> yeah i don't even know who the hell you are <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> hey you know it's it's so weird it's like i had a young lady go on a call with me from england and she saw my IMDb and she said, wow, you've been doing this a long time. Do you teach? And I said, you know what? I, I, I don't teach. And she goes, why don't you? You have so much experience. And I still feel like because I don't know enough to teach. I'm still taking classes with like Howard Fine in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm always taking a class uh, at somewhere. And I, yeah, I've been doing this a long time, but I'm still training. I'm still trying to learn something, you know. And, and she was so disappointed. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but I, I wish you well on your career. And she goes, oh, I was hoping you could teach. <laughs> but I just, I just like, I don't feel like I'm good. It's like, I, I'm not, you know, 
where I feel like I could be sitting there telling you, oh, yeah, this is how you do it. You know, there is no way to do it. I've taken every system under the under the sun. You know, I've studied method. I've studied Meisner. I've studied Chekhov. I studied Alexander. I've studied every single thing I could. And it's still like whatever works at the time. It's like a tool belt. You're going to work. You put your hard hat on. You go to work and maybe you need a hammer for this. So you do method. Maybe you just need a screwdriver. So you do Meisner. So that's how I kind of look at it. But it's like for me to sit down and teach you how to act, I, I just don't feel like, like I could do that. I don't know why I feel that way. I just feel like, you know, I don't know enough yet. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've been doing it a long time. That's just my union side that's not even all the times i did non-union work so i've been acting a long time but i still feel like i don't know enough and i'll always find a class i'll always try to be training i'll always do something when i'm not working see what i like is from all the time because i've always been business business person i went to school to be a cop well not a cop cop but a forensic profiler okay. so basically you know profiling people that's really easy for me. I can look through somebody's Facebook pictures and profile them in a, in a minute, you right. know, and um, moving forward, then getting into the business, I learned, you know, from running the business and then starting these new businesses after I halted that one and then training with the people that I've trained with. I, what I like to do, because I do teach acting classes, you know, oh, okay. not, I don't do like the big classes. I prefer to do one or two, maybe three people in one group, one or two, you know, but what I do is I take a combination of everything I've learned from not only business, because that's crucial, you know, it's huh. crucial. That and, people don't understand. It's called show business yeah. for a reason. And you yep. need to treat it like a business. That's another thing I tell people when they ask me for advice. I said, it's show business, not show friends, not show art. Learn the business side of it. Yeah. Treat it like a business. See, I incorporate that. And God, you can ask anybody I teach because I'm brutally honest. So, okay. What I do is I wrap that in other methods that I've picked up along the way and try to just shovel it into one. And it's so much easier because not only am I teaching you, I'm having you rehearse. I'm having you shoot videos. I'm teaching you how to shoot the damn videos, you know, your lighting, your backdrop. Then, you know, how are you going to get into character, the other methods, you know, that kind of stuff, along with the business side that they have no clue about. I'm bringing that in like you need to you need to know this because you can sign up with one. Of, I'm not saying, you know. There are shady ass agents out there. I'm not going to lie. Same oh, yeah. managers. There are. They'll yeah. sit there and not do their job or not do shit for their clients, you know, at all. And you, they get added, you know, into that big lineup of here, I'm going to send it out to a thousand people like the same way, you know, but do you want to be the one that stands out or do you want to be the guy sitting in the room with a thousand other people just like you, which is boring, by the way, for casting, when everybody's right. doing the same thing, casting, we're looking for people who are not all the same. We want that one person. Granted, we're not against you, but we want you to stand out. Why are you going to get our attention? Right. How are you going to get our attention? So I tried to combine everything 
from business side into the acting side, into everything you need to do basically to move you forward. Well, that's great, Daphne, because that's exactly what people need. So I'm glad you're doing that Yeah. because I, I see them just focus on one thing when it encompasses all of those things that you're talking about. Yeah. So it's great that you do that. So, you know, keep doing it. We people need it. We need it. <laughs> yeah. And the one good thing is, you know, what would have worked out great for me when I was training was I offer after pay in like a firm. It's all the same where they can make payments on it, where there's nobody else that does that. For any of the services that I do, I offer the afterpay option because I know it's expensive. I was there. Right. I had to pay for it. I know it's not cheap. Same with headshots, everything I do because I'm trying to help people move forward and say they can't come up with $600, you know, right then and there. Then guess what? Now you got the chance to make six payments, you know, and that helps you out because it's breaking it down. Plus you're getting the knowledge that you need. You know, a lot of people don't understand that. They're like, yeah. why do you do it like that? Because I'm trying to help people because I paid a thousand dollars a week for my training. <laughs> well, right? I, did. I did, you know. <laughs> Not to mention the ninety thousand dollars for the friggin' degree that I don't use. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I was. It was funny because people say, "Oh, you must have a you must have a BFA or an MFA," and I'm like, "No, I didn't get a degree in theater. Actually, um, I, I wanted to supplement my acting lessons, so I got a real job. My actual degree is in nuclear medicine, and everybody goes, what?" <laughs> what you, you you got a degree in nuclear medicine i went yeah i got a degree in nuclear medicine <laughs> so that's so a that's hell of a from there degree. to acting <laughs> right and so they're, they're trying to make the connection and they're going how does that happen and i said well i got this issue in my brain i got a left brain and a right brain that are constantly fighting each other i'm really logical and and really you know focused and at the same time I like to act. I'm artistic. I, I like to make a character and I like to bring it alive. And, and they look at me like, man, you're messed up. And I go, I know. And it's 50, 50. <laughs> you gotta be messed up to be in you this gotta business. be messed up to be in this business. Right. <laughs> Everybody's a little local. <laughs> Everybody's crazy. <laughs> gotta have the crazy dream gene. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, people just, I don't know, you know, but that's why I do even these segments, because even if they can't make it, at least in the segments, you're getting vital information that you're going to need. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not everybody. Most of the time we end up just bullshitting anyway, but they still get information, something to think about afterwards. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, I even let whoever's hosting me and doing an interview, I say, look. I'll give them my email address. And if they have any questions, your audience can email me. I'll be happy to answer any questions they have. So yeah. I always make myself available. And that's one way I try to give back to everybody that, you know, for what I'm doing. So I'm happy yeah. to. Well, that's why when I told you in the beginning about me wanting to set this up, basically as a live event for people up to a certain amount of people to be able to come in here and ask questions. That's why, because if they're in the rooms with us, or anybody moving forward, because I think I'm just going to start doing it that way. Give people a chance to get in and actually ask questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. they need they need that. I really feel like they need that because not everybody will do that in some of these, you know, interviews, which I wasn't doing it either for a while because I was reluctant. But I think moving forward, I'm going to try it out just to see how it goes, you know, see if people can at least learn a little bit of something, you know. Sure. Because I get questions all the time, even on set, people ask me questions. So yeah. it's great, especially when you add, like you were saying, the a chat room, like say to the to the interview. And people can ask questions on there and you can say, oh, Anthony, we have a question from Cindy and, you know, she wants to know, you know, should she go union? And then I tell everybody, unless you're in L.A. or New York, don't go. union." <laughs> well, it's so, not really because a lot of people travel. A lot of people are moving out of L.A. One, because of the living expense cost. Two, oh, yeah. I have a lot of people telling me that live there also that it is dangerous as hell out there right now. And a lot. I mean, they're moving. I get, you know, you have the TV shows and stuff that obviously they're there in the studios. I get that. But there are a lot of films that are coming everywhere, like even to Ohio, everywhere to shoot. And, you know, but I feel like going union, I wouldn't advise that to anybody just because they did a couple background roles and got their little card, their pretty little card. You know, I think that you really need to learn more before you ever even think about going in into the union. That's basically exactly why I say don't go union, because so many people and even my acting mentor, um, he would always say he hated the three voucher rule for that very reason. And he's been a SAG actor and he's worked in big movies with Schwarzenegger and Johnny Depp and all that. He's passed now. Yeah. But um, he would say the same thing. He hated the three voucher rule because what people would do was get their three vouchers on a union extra job and then they join the union. But they have no training in principal work. They, they don't know how to deliver lines. They have no background to help them get a role. And then they're stuck and they don't get roles and then they get upset. Yeah. And that's why I tell them, don't be in a hurry to join the union until you really want to do this maybe professionally. Then, then you might want to decide to do that. Yeah. I mean, you at know? least get the training. Don't try to jump in just to jump. If you're a hobbyist, yeah. I highly advise do not join. Please don't. Because it's a yeah. hobby to you and we take the shit serious. You know, right. Right. get it further training, move ahead, do more projects. And then when you feel like you're learning on both sides, then join the union. But if you have not done enough to be in the industry, and you're doing it as a hobby, please don't do us a favor. Yeah. Don't. The, the competition, <laughs> they don't understand that the competition at this level is, is very high mm -hmm. and it's going to be very hard. And you're just going to get frustrated if you join the union to say, I want to be SAG and I'm going to join the union. And then you may or may not get an audition. And when you do, you're going to wonder why you never get booked or get a role. And it's, it's very, demoralizing for a lot of people. And so I try to steer them away from that because you're right. There are a lot of hobbyists that ask me about that. I had that question the other day and that's why I brought it up here. Um, and then I told him, I said, look, man, you, you work in insurance. That's your day job. You have a family, you have kids. I go, why would you want to join the union? And he doesn't live in LA. And I said, you don't want to join the union. And you, you don't. You know, stay non-union. There are so many more opportunities for you to work and learn your craft and get speaking roles and build your resume. 
Now, maybe he didn't want to hear that. He knew I was SAG and he thought I was going to be gung-ho SAG, but I'm a very honest person. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, join the union because I joined the union. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to take you seriously and I'm going to give you my honest opinion. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. So sometimes they feel like I'm kind of a downer, but I'm trying to be real with them and explain to them how hard it is in this acting environment. So yeah. you have to be built with the crazy gene. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to hear no a thousand times before they say yes. And you can't beat yourself up over it. You just have to say, my job is to audition, perform for a casting director, and then let it go. And a lot of people can't do that. They walk in the room saying, I got to get this job. I got to get this job. You're going to destroy yourself that way. You can't put that kind of pressure on yourself. So I try to help people steer away from that and try to explain to them what they what their process really needs to be so that they understand when they go for an audition, that's a win. You have one. There are 3,000 people that, that put in for a role and the casting director calls you. You won. Okay. Go in there, meet the casting director, have fun, and then forget about it. Yeah. You know, because everything else is out of your control. And they don't understand that because they never worked on the other side of the table. They've never interned, like, say, with a casting director. Then you'd realize it's like the best actor doesn't necessarily get the role. You know, they have a certain vision, a certain type they want the person to be. If you're too tall because your co-lead is five foot tall and Anthony, I'm six foot one. I love you, Anthony, but you're too tall next to my co-lead. So you're not going to get the role. Had nothing to do with my acting ability. That's stuff I can't change. Yeah. You know, so people need to understand that. And I think they all think it's just about I got to get the role. I got to get the role. And it's not. There's so many things that determine how you get the role and it's out of your control. So don't beat yourself up. It could be hair color. It could be a scar. It could be anything. It could be stuff that you're lacking. It could be a number of reasons why. You, yep. Because I'm not going to lie to you. The movie that I'm doing, I have, I have my cast in my head mm -hmm. and I know who I want for my leads. Right. I do. And I've already approached, you know, but... If I don't get them, then I've got the backup already in my head. Right. My mind is set, you know, and it's certain it's just a thing, you know, when you're doing both sides, then you've got that person already in your head and you're just like, okay, yeah, you know, so that's what they're doing in the casting rooms, of course. You know, they're, they're thinking the same thing. It, it is, it's a number of reasons why you wouldn't get a role. It doesn't have to do with anything. Right. And I, I think most actors don't have the experience to realize that. So they think it's like the role is wide open and all they got to do is be the best and they're going to get it. And it's like, no, the director, if you've ever gone to, especially to producers, <laughs> they, it, Film and television is a little bit different because in film, the director's the boss. So the director has the vision. That's why it says film by blah, 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 right? The director has the vision. And he, like you said, Daphne, he has the characters in his head. He knows what he wants. So I can walk in there and I can knock it out of the park and he can go, okay, thank you, Anthony. You know, because he wants somebody younger or smaller or bigger or, you know, whatever. He has a certain vision in his head. 
In television, you go to what's called producers. The producers make the decision, the showrunners and the and the executives. So the you know, like NBC, for instance, you go to producers, they won't even look at you when you audition. They're busy looking at their iPad because they're looking up something called Q rating. So again, you may have been the best actor in that room, but they're looking at a Q rating, which is what how what their audience reckon how much audience recognizes your name. So what they're looking to see is who did we bring in of these eight people that has the highest Q rating? That's probably the person that's going to get the job. Again, out of your control. And it's totally out of your control. Well, see, unless- I am a producer for film. And yeah. I work, I speak to the direct, I speak to my director every, at least every other day, sometimes every day. But he already knows you from his vision and my vision where. I want to go with that, especially as far as the casting. And, you know, we'll go back and forth. Well, do you have somebody, you know, or what do you think? Or, you know, there, there is that, even though the director is the boss on the set, the producers are still the ones that do call the shots. Oh, no, absolutely. Especially if the producer's the writer. Yeah. That's a, that's an exception (laughs) to the, that's an exception to the rule because if the producer's the writer, then the writer obviously knows what characters they created in their head. So they're going to have a better say along with their director. So yes, that, that is an exception to the rule. Because yeah. in writing, yeah, I mean, God, it took us four and a half years to get it to where it is. Well, actually it was, yeah, four and a half years. And the whole time from start to beginning, you know, to, to where it is, I just had this thing in my head just keeps playing these pictures and, you know, just certain things the way I want it. And you know what I mean? And same with the cast, I can just see everything that plays out. And I mean, that's not only from a producer standpoint, but that is from the writer actor side of me, you know, because I can see this all going on in my head. And absolutely. You wrote it. So you know what you wrote. So you're the expert, you know, but my director, I love my director to death, man. You know what I mean? And his, his opinions, because I know he's good at what he does. And we go back and forth, back and forth. You know, it's, it's always, all, it's always, it's always a, a work in progress. It's always about the team. You know, your team makes all the decisions. Everybody bounces it off each other. It, it takes a village. That's where the phrase comes from. It mm-hmm. literally takes a village to make a film. Oh, yeah. And I applaud anybody who gets a film done. Because most people think, oh, okay, you made a movie. Great. You have no clue how hard it is to go from development to pre-production to production to post-production to distribution. It is not easy. Nobody <laughs> wants my job. Yeah. <laughs> I advise against it. I mean, there are times where I just want to throw in that towel like oh my god you know but the producing side and then there's the side of me that I don't ever quit I don't believe in failure I don't believe in the word no you know what I mean so it's just like part of me is right here wanting tequila one day and the other part <laughs> it's like you gotta move the shit forward so keep going you know and yeah. producing producing is not it's the least fun job in the industry Trust me, <laughs> for real, it's not easy. I've done it on a, a probably a smaller scale than you. I produced a few films, and all I did was put out fires, try to keep crew, me- crew members from quitting, 
um, make sure the EP wasn't upset because they're paying for everything and somebody's not doing something they wanted them to do. And it's it, it's a whole different world. It's just a whole different world. I'm like, can I just stick to acting, please? Thank you. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes like, oh my God, what the hell did I get myself into? But then I'm just like, no, you just got to keep going. Yeah. But I'm hard headed. I think I'm a glutton for punishment. I think that's what my problem is. <laughs> you have to be in this business or you're never going to get anywhere, Daphne. That's how we get to where we go, where, you know, where we are. Yeah. We have to be hard headed. And, and like I said, you're going to have a lot of obstacles. It's a lot of stress. You're going to hear no a million times and you just keep going. That's, that's all I you can do. Right. <laughs> that's all you can do. Seriously. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you to stay on. We are going to wrap this up. So from Laura Entertainment, we are going to thank Anthony Snow for coming on for us today. Definitely. It was awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Daphne. And again, thank you for having me. And it was a real honor and a pleasure to be here. All right, you guys, everybody see you later. Bye.